Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets in the midst of a little bit of a break right now, which I've got to admit is uh, not so bad. The Blue Jackets played on Monday afternoon, beat the Vancouver Canucks in a shootout 4-3. to Don't play again until Friday night when they take on the New Jersey Devils right here at Nationwide Arena to wrap up a three-game homestand. Jody, that win on Monday against the Canucks, it was really much needed because the two previous games, you get shut out up in Winnipeg by a team that was number one in the league at the time. Then you come home, you take on a Seattle team that had an eight-game winning streak coming into the game, and they beat up on you a little bit, 7-4. to four. So to take on the Canucks, which were the number one team in the league at the time of that game on Monday, and to be able to grind it out and find a way to get two points, that was that's a pretty big win for this team, the way it's been going as of late. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Blue Jackets, you know, it's interesting because you look at the Vancouver Canucks and you talk to Rick Tockett, and he took over that team – almost a year ago to the date of that game on Monday. And, you know, I remember we saw him early. Like, I think it was his first home game against, uh, and it was against the Blue Jackets. And, you know, I know talk a little bit, and I know Adam Foote quite well. And, you know, just talking to them, they were, you know, they had a lot to change in that organization. And when you look at the talent that they had, uh, the first thing they did is they cleaned up the room a little bit and what the expectations were from everyone and he talked a lot about the process and, and a short focus and like taking care of today. And, and yesterday is nothing. Today is what we have to prove. We have to reprove ourselves. And they have a team that's rolling, high-skilled. Uh, the talent is coming through, but the structure and the work uh, is what has got them to this point. And he, he talked about the Blue Jackets to me the other day, and he said, how's, uh, how's the head coach, Pascal Vincent, doing? And I said, well... We're hearing a lot about the process and, you know, practice habits and details of watching players on and off the ice. And Talk said that's exactly what we did. He said, and it can be painful at times. Uh, it, you're not, you don't always get the results, but it'll churn over. This will turn and things, if he sticks with it, and things will happen. So it, it's, I know we hear Pascal all the time, and it's, you know, sometimes after losses you want to hear him uh, vent about losing the game or, or – Things not going well, but he's very, very uh, methodical with his approach and how he understands the team and what they're trying to build. And now we're just over the halfway point, which is still young in his head coaching career. But there's also things that are changing, and things have stayed the same but gotten better. Maybe that's a good way to put it because he imp he implemented a system here, coming into camp on his heels a little bit, and with the head coaching assignment, which he's ready for. And he's trying to establish that, that uh, no-nonsense bar. He wants it set high, and it's set high. But, you know, when you scratch Patrick Laine, uh, people are going to talk about it. When you bench Johnny Goodrow, people are going to talk about it. When Elvis Merzlikens doesn't play for over two weeks, it's, it's a hot topic. And it's all for the good of the team. And at the end of the day, if you're a player, like we're going to talk to Andrew Peake tonight, and he's a player that's going through a tough situation. I've been there where... You know, you're in the lineup for a couple of years, playing really well, and then all of a sudden you come and you're not in the lineup and you can't get in and you're waiting. Then you're in, then you're out. Um, 
but it, all the decisions are made for the good of the team in the long run. And he understands that he's got a young team that needs to go through that word, the process. And it's good to see him get a result against a team that comes in here in the number one team in the league. And, you know, this team needs to be on point the entire game uh, for them to get victories. And I thought the other night the best players were the best players. And then the best player who's peaking right now in Cole Sillinger playing with Johnny Goodrow uh, and Chinikov, they were uh, a handful for the Canucks. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's easy to follow when you sit on the bench and you feel that energy from the top players. So a lot of things are coming together. There's still a lot of injuries with this team. Corrali comes back, which is a nice little boost for part of that game. Uh, some key face-off wins. And, you know, you got you got to hand it to, to Pascal and his group because um, it's not just a win. It's an important feeling this team needs to have. You mentioned Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinikov playing with Johnny Gaudreau. That's something that we probably wouldn't have had on our bingo card back in training camp or maybe even a month ago, quite frankly. But the way that Cole has taken off, um, he has put himself in that position, and he plays well with Chinikov. And it really looked to me, and I know it's only been two games, so it's a very small sample size, but it looked to me like Johnny Gaudreau finally found some guys that he clicks with. And, and he understands them, and, and he really knows how to make them better. You just look at the, the number of shots that they've picked up as a line in the last two games. Johnny's excited to play with Cole, and Cole has good chemistry with, with Yegor, who's emerging. We, we're seeing what he is. he's supposed to be and what he can be. He's got a powerful stride. Uh, he's extremely fast when he's on the puck. Uh, he's, he's a guy that's got that shot, and he's finding a little more time and space and keeping plays in motion because Johnny makes people stop. There's a, it's, a nice, there's, it's a nice combination with all those three. But you're right, it's Cole elevating his game and Yegor being healthy that are making that click. And, and when you have a dynamic within a line where there's a seamless, um, I'll call it a communication, they're, 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 just, they're just playing hockey within their system, and it's fun to watch them get the puck and explode up the ice. I asked Johnny before the game on Monday about Cole in – I asked him if there's comparisons between Boone and Cole, and my big comparison is, look, Cole will go right to the net. I mean, he'll he'll drive it. It's not a big deal. But then I'm watching the game, and I was thinking to myself, you know, the difference that I see is that Boone does a lot of his work from three to five feet out, right? right. That's where he's at his best. Dirty goals, That that's what it's all about. Cole Sillinger has that and will do that, but he will also take that shot from the top of the slot. He also, you know, from a distance, he can make some more things happen there. So that kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. And another word that we hear a lot with athletes is confidence. And it's hard to explain it because in the NHL, and I didn't play the game when it was this fast, you think in your head when you get that puck, you know everybody's focused on you. Your line mates and defensive players are trying to get open and, and are available for you to get them the puck. The goalie is out of position. You might want to shoot the puck. The defender is in the way. They're, everyone's trying to hunt you down. They're hunting down the guy with the puck. And so you, you pull the alarm bell sometime when you have no confidence. It's almost like, yeah, the puck rolled off your stick. No, you weren't relaxed enough in the sense of being so confident to get the puck and also process where it needs to go right now because there's a player busting through traffic that you know you can see out of the corner of your eye. Like There's all these things to process. And when you don't have the confidence, the split second that you think about it or fumble it or worry about it, it, it the play is over. 
And when you have the confidence, it's almost like a, a wave of of, uh, of energy that kind of lifts you up where it's like it's free-flowing, you know. And, and for Cole to be playing that way right now and other players feed off it, it that's an exciting thing to see because those shots are there, like you say, from up high where you think like, okay, like I can go back and watch a video of Boone Jenner and be like, okay, I want to be like this. I'm going to do this. When, when the puck is here, I'm going right there. Well, wait a second. That's not your skill set. We saw him make a move the other night. Uh, in overtime where he's like toe drag backhand then you got trip but it's like and that puck just missed the far post it would have been one of the greatest goals we've ever seen and those things need to it comes to you and um it, it's it's fun to watch an athlete like to go through what he's gone through and we would have never said that in october or november right it's like oh this you know winter guy's gonna get going that's part of the process so i think that's a great example of the process the other guy's kent johnson the offensive zone, there's times when we see his ultimate strength behind the net, setting things up, just like Johnny Goodrow, in the corner deep with time and space, pulling defenders down. But there are parts in the neutral zone and the defensive zone where he's got to really, really, really figure that out, and he will. We Go back to uh, Chinikov for a second here because one thing that we've found out over the past year and a half, Johnny Goodrow and Patrick Line, on paper, that looks like those guys are line mates, and this is terrific. You put them on the ice, it hasn't worked. It just hasn't clicked. There are times here and there, but as far as consistency, not so much. Some of that, I, I have to wonder now, Johnny's a playmaker. Patrick is a shooter, but likes to be a playmaker. Looking to make a pass, looking to set something up. Chinikov, he'll pass it once in a while, but for the most part, oh, you're giving me the puck? I'm just going to shoot it. Is that why maybe that relationship with Johnny has worked out so well in the last two games? I think so. I think that he knows that – I think Chinnikov's a, a double or triple threat because he can skate it, he can keep the play, uh, attract attention, and, and let you get open. I think that's a key. He plays hard. Uh, his passes are wicked. I mean, they're hard, almost too hard to handle. But you want a hard, crisp pass because you're skating as hard as you can and you want that thing to get there now. And, and that's where Johnny's so good. And you look at the ingredients of, of his line – when he was in Calgary, you know, he's got Lindholm, who's a smart playmaking center, uh, a confident guy that can the, lets the game come to him. And then you got Kachuk, who's disrupting, but also checking. And, you know, that those guys complemented each other so well uh, because they knew they just they were excited to play against or with each other. They knew the opposition was going to try to shut them down, but they had this momentum within the game and the season that they built. And with line A. Yeah, I think that I don't think that that complements Johnny extremely well, even on the power play, because everyone in the world knows what's happening, and when you only have two guys that are a threat, you need to have Zach Wierenski being a threat as well. You need to have Boone Jenner being a threat as well, which he has been. There needs to be other pieces because when you look at the Washington Capitals power play when it was so good, Oshie Backstrom, uh, Ovechkin, Carlson, you got the P and and Kuznetsov when he was at the top of his game. The pieces are there that you can't just you know Ovechkin's sitting there. But that's why Oshie got so many goals in there. That's why Backstrom picked up points. It's because they collapsed the, de- the defense. Then you can set up Patrick Laine, who's quietly on the other side. But with the only two threats out there and guys struggling, especially early this season, it was easy to play against. And uh, now they're starting to figure out some lines that are working. Uh, the emergence of Voronkov now. I mean, <laughs> this guy's just starting his NHL career. I mean, I-, I have to give this guy a ton of credit, Bob, because – doesn't speak the language, okay? The linesmen need to have a relationship with the players to say, 
you know, you kind of earn respect. They're, they're always talking. Crowley's always talking. Boone's always talking. Sidney Crosby's always talking to the linesman. It's a relationship. They want to be able to understand what everyone's trying to do. He can't do that. So he's getting kicked out, kicked out, kicked out. Now he's starting to understand. The arena is smaller here. There's, there's less time and space. Uh, and, and just to come in and play a system, you and I could put the skates on and go out there and they could tell us how to play in all three zones. It would take us probably two months to figure it out so we could just play. This guy's adapted so well. So I really like the combination of his brain, uh, his size, and his skill. You know what I really like about him is a couple of months ago there were those rumors that he was not happy and he might be homesick and he might want to go. And he uh, he said, nope, I'm staying here. And ever since, he's just gotten progressively better and better. And you look at that game on Monday, two goals for him. Not just the two goals, the way he gets the two goals. One of them posted up on the power play, gets a tip. That's great. But the other one coming basically from behind the net and just stuffing that puck right through Casey DeSmith, starting to show that, yeah, he can score in different ways. Yeah. Now, it's, it's, I'm so impressed with how smooth he is with the puck. I mean, there's sometimes when he, he picks up a puck that I think there's no chance he's going to pick it up. Not only does he pick it up, he makes the right play. Like, you don't really see him turn the puck over. You don't really see him lose a battle. Um, that's a credit to his ability. Like, th- there's a big skill set in there that, for a big man, it's not slow and and missing opportunities. It's quick. It's um, it, it's <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not just the goals he's scoring. It's those little plays. Like, it's it's seamless. Almost like when we say a defenseman is quiet out there, he makes plays that I'm telling you that even if you watch him in practice, it's like wow, he made that look easy. And it was actually a lot harder than that. I think one of his best plays in the game was one he didn't score on, where he picked up the puck and he went down the right wing side and he got a little burst of speed and got around the defenseman. Yeah, I mean, what he did there was was very impressive because his speed kept the defenseman high enough away from the goaltender, so he had that lane to go to the net. He used his he, his head was looking back at the D, like everyone in the building thought, oh, he's just going to chip it back. And then quickly he gets going and uses that, that length he's got to attack the net. So the way he set that up, it, that was a, a, a great example of his process. Yeah, I agree with you. He is fun to watch. And as you said, you can't even talk to him about it because he won't understand you. Yeah. <laughs> or if he does, he'll he's probably, now he'll he's probably re- understand you. He's really smart, don't you think? Doesn't he's, talk yeah. to the media. He's so smart he's not going to ever talk. Coaches right? don't talk. Right? He's oh, got great. He's gonna have the old Artemi Panarin thing. Bobrovsky no was English. the same. Yeah, when right. We were in Philly, and yeah. it was just like, Bob, you gonna do an interview? <laughs> what? Nope. Right. <laughs> Next thing we're talking about, uh, you know, the best restaurants in in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, well, the interview wasn't about that. He could do that. Yeah. Wasn't gonna talk about hockey. All right, coming up next, we've got Blue Jackets defenseman Andrew Peak, who is going to join us. It's been a, an interesting season for him, but he has taken it all in stride. We'll talk to him about that as the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. Bob McElligot, Jody Shelley back here with you. We're presented by First Merchants Bank, of course, and tonight we are joined by Blue Jackets defenseman Andrew Peak. And, Andrew, I know you've been playing hockey a long time, I know you've been a lot of places in your life, but you're a Florida guy at heart. Do you ever get used to the cold like we've had here in the last couple of days? Uh, no, not not ever fully used to it. Um, I've been away from home since I was, you know, basically 14 years old, so I've been up north for a long time. But uh, there's something about being from Florida that you know the the way it touches your skin. I don't, I don't know if it ever hits the same. It. Uh, I, I tend to think that this is a benefit to us because we're about to go to Western Canada, so maybe this is just kind of a Hey, get ready. 
Because anything above like five, six degrees Fahrenheit, it, once we go out west, will be a warming trend. Yeah, no, this is just this is a straight cold to me. Uh, <laughs> I think anything under ten is where it all starts feeling the same, and it's just cold no matter what it is. Funny to hear that from a hockey player, right? Because I guess everybody assumes that. Well, you're on the ice all the time. You should be assumed to the cold. I remember when my son was playing. You know what I hated the most? Summer practices. Because the last place, and I know it's warm outside, but the last place I wanted to go was into the rink in the summertime because it, it's one thing to be 85 and humid outside, but I'm just going to freeze in there. And I, I just, I never looked forward to that. <laughs> that's what I'm used to. That's, a, that's <laughs> my normal. That's me over every summer or my childhood too. So no, that's what I'm used to. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate it. And uh, you've been in the last couple of games, and I know that this year has been kind of a, a tough one for you because you haven't played as much as you have wanted to play. And what kind of a challenge has it been for you to be ready when called upon? Because sometimes that's even harder. Um, you don't play for long spans of time, and then all of a sudden, hey, we need you to play, and we need you to be perfect. And if you can't do that, maybe we'll have somebody else do it. I mean, that, the mindset of the, of the whole thing uh, has to be a huge challenge for you, I would think. Yeah, uh, the mindset, I, get, I, I think, is definitely the hardest part of it. Um, yeah, it's not easy. Uh, there's, there's been tough days. Uh, there's been better days, you know, all the above. But, um, yeah, the mindset's the toughest part, I think. You know, the way the way we train, the way we skate, everything like that, physically you're always going to be in, in condition regardless of the situation. Um, I just think, you know, your mindset and mentally, you know, being prepared, um, you know, for whatever that, you know, day comes or whatever, you just have to be ready and, and have to put yourself in the spot that, you know, you're going to play to your strengths and succeed. So um, that's definitely the hardest part. And, you know, like I said, it's not easy. It's not something I've really been through in my career. But, um, you know, something, a situation I want to, I want to, you know, get myself out of too. You know, I obviously want to be playing every day and playing every game. So, you know, I've tried to take all those steps, you know, within myself to get there too. Did you struggle with it early on? Did you have to get yourself in a mindset? Um, I don't know if struggle is necessarily the right word. I, I just think it, it brought different challenges that, you know, you've never really, I guess, been through when you, when you play consistently, you find a groove or, you know, even if you don't have great games, you know, but you're still playing consistently, you know, you find little things to fine tune. Um, but, you know, when you're in and out, it's a little harder. If, if, you, if you have a bad game, you know, you might be out right after again. So it's tough to really, you know, come back and fix the little mistakes that you made or whatever it could be. So there's a lot of different things that go into it. But, um, you know, as you go, you learn. So uh, it's no fun. I've been there and Andrew won't say it, but it it's it's miserable at times and and you know I credit you for you know I, when I went through it I found other value be a leader be a good teammate but at the end of the day you just want to play hockey so uh, I love when you're in the lineup I think you do a great job out there and, and we uh, we appreciate what you bring on the ice but I won't harp on that I want to go back to something you said when you were 14 you left home where'd you go uh, prep school in Connecticut oh did you yeah which one did you go to South Kent yeah and that was a totally new experience up in the new Northeast I bet yeah, it was uh, completely different. I was obviously just a kid from Florida. I didn't really ever know anything other than playing hockey down there and playing baseball and, and all, the, all those little things. And then the opportunity came, and, um, you know, my dad kind of looked at me, and he goes, if, if you want to go for this, and, you know, I think this is your one opportunity, you're not going to get another one like it. So jumped at it, and obviously things worked out pretty well. So How'd they find you? Uh, it was the coach of the Florida Alliance 97 team, and I'm a 98, so one year older. He was going to be the assistant coach there. So he, we were in obviously close connect, and he went and got me and one of my uh, other teammates from the 98 team, and we both went up there. 
Now, you guys didn't play outdoor hockey. You didn't play. Did you play street hockey? What did you yeah. guys do? Yeah. Street hockey was roller skating, street hockey. That was our thing. But uh, no, never found hockey. I mean, yeah, obviously you wouldn't play pond hockey. What, how much roller hockey did you play? I know Kent Johnson plays a ton in the offseason still. But did you do any of that? Any outdoor roller rinks around? Uh, there's a couple roller rinks. I never did like, uh, you know, what KJ does or like kind of a league. But just me and like a couple of the guys in the neighborhood that were around my age, we just hop on our roller blades and kind of buzz around and, and all those little things. But nothing like, I guess, serious. But we would just do it you know, on a random Saturday. And it, who who kind of guided you through the NHL? I know you've had some good coaches down there. Chickering's dad was a big part of your development. Uh, is he still a guy you lean on? Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't. It's not like we necessarily talk. Or I know he's super close with my parents and my mom and, you know, Jacob's mom or, you know, some of the, I'm really good friends. But, um, no, I, I mean, I just think throughout all my years of, you know, being away from home and, you know, having different coaches at different levels, you know, I've kind of just taken something away. And I feel like for me, I've been very independent since I had to leave home at such a young age. So for me, it's, you know, finding things within myself that, you know, can push me to that next level or, you know, test myself or find new challenges within myself that, you know, I really appreciate doing. And you played baseball? Were you a decent? Did you have a future in that at all? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a humble guy, but I think I was better at baseball than I was hockey. So Is that right? Yeah. Growing up in Florida, my the team we played on was pretty legit. I'm not going to lie. Really? Yeah. Because Severson is actually, he had a, a good baseball in youth too, or, or a little, little bit older as well. Yeah. No, I played, our team in Florida was... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Division One MLB players or MLB system guys now that was on the team that I grew up playing on. It was it was pretty legit. I'm not gonna lie. Which, Why? You, what, it, what position you play? Uh, second base, center field. Those are my main two. But my dad was one of the assistant coaches, so he just kind of put me wherever they needed me. I guess for he knew I would do it. So that's always how it went. See that Jody up the middle guy. Yeah, got to be important. See, yeah. Just like a D man in hockey, up the middle guy. You got to be strong. Are you right-handed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't. I played a little baseball in Canada, but it was all hockey all the time. And I'm just fascinated at, you know, guys that were great at baseball. You, so at 14, you had to make a decision. Obviously, I was 12 when you decided. Was, yeah, because the travel with hockey you, in Florida, you have to go out out of state if you want to play good competition. So um, it just got to be too much of my parents, and they're like, "Look, like you just kind of have to pick one," and that. That year, I struggled with baseball, and it wasn't like I blew the water out of the park with uh, hockey, but I had fun with it. So I think I made a decision based on I was more pissed at baseball after that season that I didn't do well that I picked hockey. But at the time, I was def I was I was better at baseball. Now I'm confused because I you must have had to travel really far to get competition to play good competition in Florida for hockey because I would think baseball competition would be easy. Yeah, I drive 10 minutes and play, you know, one of the best teams in South Florida. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Oh, well, you said travel for hockey. You had to travel more. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So where would you have to go? Like, what was the best competition? Uh, Detroit, Boston. All the way up there. Chicago. We'd go to Dallas. It was, you know, pretty much all the main hotspots. Any tournament that was up there, we'd be in it. But there was, once you got past about, 11 or 12, all the Florida competition basically just groomed into one team. So there wasn't really anyone to play there. <laughs> and then you end up at Notre Dame. How did that happen? Um, the year going into my junior year of high school, me and my family did like a little college tour. Um, 
we were back in Florida over the summer and I hadn't really seen any of those schools, you know. So we kind of did a bunch of schools at once and Notre Dame was the last school that we visited on our, you know, kind of like 10 school trip or whatever it was. And um, right when I got there, I basically told my parents, I was like, I, there's just a feeling you had. I was like, if, if they offer me, I'm, I'm coming here. I just had a feeling and um, it was one of those, I was, you know, I loved school, I was really into it. So I wanted to do the best of both worlds, hockey and academics. And um, I think that's probably the best school you could do for it, so. Bob, I had the feeling too when I went to Notre Dame and walked in that facility. That is incredible. And your picture's on the wall there Yeah, as a captain. Yeah. You had a good run there. Yeah, I mean, I think the three years I was there, we, we did pretty much everything possible besides win the national championship, which is pretty hard to say, so. And I'd have, I've seen a lot of setups. So I, don't, I don't think they could have done it much better in Notre Dame with the, with the ice facility and that entire setup for you guys. No, it's, it's world-class. I was shocked when I saw it for the first time. I'm like, there's no way this is as nice as it gets, right? And the way they treat you, they handle you, uh, they you know, treat you like a pro. So that's you know, what was important, too. You know, it's funny. When I was in San Jose, one of the owners was Mr. Compton. And him and his wife had done a big donation. I think the arena's named after them. Yeah. Right? The comp Did you meet them? No. They were never around? No. Very humble people, but really proud of their al alma mater. Yeah. It, it, I, I agree with you, too, because I just told you a few minutes ago, I hate going in the rink in the summertime, but we were at Notre Dame for a baseball tournament when my son was seven. I think he was 17. Bob wants to talk baseball. No, I don't. No, we were there, <laughs> but I went into the rink in the summer, so there, there was a team on the ice or there was a practice or something. But you're right. You walk in there, and you're just like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. I mean, this is a – this is really good setup. Um, so I could understand how you could very easily get get locked in yeah. there. And it's right there. I mean, the football stadium's there. Everything is right there. It's, it's right behind the gate. Yeah. Uh, you get, yeah. Like it's a different world once you turn in that gate. Yeah. Now, you said you were really into school. So what did you what'd you take in school? What were you studying? Uh, I, my major was business management and consulting. Um, I don't know the best way to put it. I was really into school. But I was always a good student was a, was a better way to put it. Um, so I, you know, it was important for my parents um, and myself, you know, to go to a, a school and get a degree and, and you know, go that route. So um, I was always, you know, into business and, and into that. And a lot of my classmates and teammates were, were in the school as well. So um, it worked out well. Got my degree a few, few years after I left, so it worked out. I, as a parent, you're always thinking, have a backup plan, will you? Yeah. Like, do your, I, I tell my own kid this now, I go, look, I know you're going to school to play baseball, but my God, have good grades, would you? Because yeah. we don't know what's going to happen with this thing. Um, but do you ever think that way as a player? I mean, was your mindset, hey, I'm going to do this and, and I'll get a chance to turn pro. This will be okay. But because you enjoyed school, it was, it was not like a burden for you. No, yeah. When you're playing hockey during season, it's not, that's not the first thing on your mind is, you know. First thing is, I got to get this paper yeah, done by I Monday. The, we I have three games this degree this right here. I need this plaque right in front of me. No, but. In, in the back of your mind, I mean, you're you're also there, and you spend more time going to school than you are playing hockey. Actually, if you think about it, so um, at the end of the day, you're doing homework, you're doing all those things. So you're like, might as well just you know do well, and that's how I always was. And you know, there were some subjects I you know enjoyed more than others, but you know, at the end of the day, I set myself up for when I left um, to sign here. That I took a lot of credits by the junior year, knowing in the back of my mind that you know. I wanted to get this at the end of the day, and I didn't want to be in a position where it would be impossible. So just setting myself up, I guess, you know, it's in the back of your mind a little bit, yeah. What, how did you become such a good skater? Oh, 
I had this one coach when I was younger, John Griffin. In he, Florida? In Florida, yeah. And he just kind of worked locally. And he was the one, he was a coach when I was maybe seven, eight years old. I did skating with him for the next like three, four years, even though he wasn't my coach anymore. But he really, I think, took me to that next level or got me in a position to, to play against better players and compete and skate with them. Cause I was always more of a funky skater, lanky kid. Um, so he kind of helped fix that. Isn't it amazing that it never stops? The work never stops. Like you probably still work on everything every day. Oh yeah, there's there's <laughs> countless things that, especially now with how much skill and everything's coming into the game and how fast everyone is, you know, even kids that are 15 years old, you know, you could argue that they have more skill than you as a 25 year old player. But you know, there's so many new things that you have to learn, adapt, and you know, conquer basically. Is it basically the same for you though when you get on the ice? Like you just said, know what you have to do. Like in a game, I mean, I mean, yeah. it's one thing you notice it in practice. But at a game, it's really, you know your role exactly in the defensive zone. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, if I was to close my eyes and picture, you know, a perfect game for me, I'd, I'd know what that is. And I think that's important to have as a player is knowing, you know, what your role is and what's going to, you know, take you to be that consistent player. And for me, I, you know, I have that crystal clear in my head. And obviously with that, you know, it expands with, you know, scoring a goal or, you know, having a big hit or certain things like that. But, you know, I have that I, that image in my head. But those have to come to you. That That's the thing I see with, like, even Cole Sillinger is 20 years old. You know, you think about his game, first year, 16 goals. You know, it was kind of a – it was fun. Last year, struggled with injury, didn't really know where he fit in. But I feel like a guy like him, much like you, once you simplify your focus, like, you know the simple game you have to play, everything else kind of just happens. And I, I think that's part of maturity. Would you agree with that? Like when you first came in, you wanted to do it all? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, 100%. You first come in, you know, you want to play power play or you want to play 20 minutes a night or whatever it could be. Score um, three goals. Score three yeah. goals, right. Like I think Silly, like for example, Silly this year, he adapted playing on the penalty kill and focusing really hard on that defensive role. And now you could see that by him doing that, his offense is coming, and he feels comfortable off the ice and um, skating the puck. And you know, last game, I think he had seven or eight shots on that. Like, that's unbelievable. And you could just see that his role is expanding because he adapted a certain role. And that's not easy to do as a player. It's, you know, honestly, just tip the cap to him, be like, that's that's awesome what you did and the way you started and now where you are. So, you know, little things like that. I, I just think it's important, Bob, because, well, I knew what my role was. It was very defined, but, you know, he, once you have that focus of every game, like as a winger, I would like have one thought in the defensive zone, one thought in the neutral zone, one thought in the offensive zone, and then everything else would kind of – then you, you play hockey. Otherwise, you get caught up in the system, and that is the worst thing to do. Yeah. How hard is it to be a shot blocker? I mean, what's what's the mindset? It's very <laughs> got to be crazy. I, that's what I think because I'm upstairs, and I'm like, okay, he's going to block this shot. But if I think about it for another three seconds, I'm like, there is no way I would jump in front of that thing. But it's something that you've really, you know, you've started to become uh, very, you've gradually, you've gotten better at it and you just do it. What's the mindset in doing it? Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> the mindset's just, you, you know, that's a big part of who I am as a player. And having that intangible is, you know, huge for me as a player. And like we just talked about, you know, knowing that that's a bit, a part of your role is, you know, important for me and my success. So I just take pride in it at this point. And yeah, there's some that hurt. There's some that, you know, you don't feel or anything like that. But 
Um, I think there's a little bit of an art to it, you know, timing it, you know, being in the right place, knowing which side of the net you're taking. Um, and all the boys love it. So, you know, for the if, team. Yeah. If one yeah. of the, if one of the guys blocks a shot, you know, you, I'm one of the first guys that's tapping the stick, you know, I appreciate those types of things. Um, and I know, you know, if I get a big block, they're doing the same. So all the boys love it. Who did you watch a lot to, who do you try to take tips off of? Cause I'm sure you still do it uh, to this day. Progroff's had some big ones already this year. I mean, when other guys are playing, do you kind of watch the way they approach it too? Yeah, I mean, you know, Goody, Provy, um, there's, you know, there's tons of defensemen that, that do it. One guy I watched growing up for a while was, you know, Jovanovski, and he was playing, you know, hard-nosed game and would do those little things. Um, but, no, you're just kind of you're kind of watching everyone and, and just seeing, you know, little techniques, you know, which way they go down on which side of the ice, um, d- the depth they go from. So there's just things you pick up. Yeah, and of course David Savard was really great at it. Yeah, when he was. Well, yeah, exactly. When <laughs> I when I first I mean, came you, you here, talk about I that's that's like a rest. that's like a front row seat to yeah. uh, education on that one, right? Yeah, no, I've seen him block some crazy ones. So you know, my first year being up here, I was like, yeah, this guy's this guy's got some balls. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pascal Vincent marvels as you as a teammate. He said that you're you're professional, you're a teammate, uh, ultimate teammate. What have you always been that way? Or is that just something right now that you understand your role in the team and it's like we just talked about team first mentality yeah I think a bit of both I think that's just you know how my parents raised me how I how I grew up um and obviously with the situation like I said earlier it's it's not easy you know I, I want to be playing every day I, I don't want to be in this position um and hopefully you know I can change that which is you know all you can ask for as a player um but no I, I know every day I have to show up and get ready you know like we talked about be ready for that next call and be ready for you know, the opportunity to play in the game. So I just got to do my thing on the ice, work hard, you know, be a good teammate because, you know, if, if you're a distraction, that, that causes way more noise, as you know. So, you know, you just have to be a good teammate. Yeah. I think that's just how I am naturally and, and how my parents raised me. So, And I'll tell you, it's not easy. And um, the approach to practice is big, right? I mean, yep. that's a big thing when you're in and out of the lineup. I'll tell you a story. One day, um, late in my career, I went to practice with a really bad attitude like terrible attitude. And after practice, uh, the goalie coach was doing a drill. I didn't want to do it. I had this, like, I just like hated everything, right? Yeah. So I look at the coach and I say, what is this What is this dumb drill? He says, it's a high-low tip drill for the goalie. You don't have to do it. I said, I'll do it. The high guy tips the puck and I get the puck in the face and break my face. And I'm out for the next five weeks. And I remember I was getting driven to the hospital. I already knew it was broken. And I was just thinking, man, the one day that you show up with the worst attitude, the worst possible thing could have happened. And I'll always remember that. It's just like, come on, you're in the NHL. You can work your way back in the lineup. Just come in with a good attitude. And, and that's exactly what you're doing. And, and um, you know, I know it's not easy to do, but, hey, just got to keep plugging away at it. I'm sure you hear that all the time. Yeah. No, sometimes you get sick of hearing it, honestly. But, I know. Um, no. Challenging. There's definitely tough days, frustrating days, all the above. You know, I'd be in your line if I said otherwise um but at the end of the day like you know you play in the NHL and when you get that opportunity to play that next game you have to be ready and you have to set yourself up for that and if you don't then you know shame on you so you were a captain at Notre Dame at the end right yes so you know when you're talking about team first and not being a disruption and all that you know exactly how that is because you were you were running that team so if if somebody was in that situation it, so now you're on the other side right I mean that's that's a great learning experience knowing the way you have to be now because you've been there before and and you don't want to disrupt it for anybody else 100 percent. you know through my time at Notre Dame 
I thought our teams were as close as they come and it led to, you know, three great years of success. And especially being a captain, I think, you know, you, you just learn a lot of things, you know, being the middleman between the players and the coach, knowing, you know, the distractions, knowing players are always going to complain. There's always going to be something to complain about and vice versa. So, you know, managing that and being the best teammate you can, you know, only makes life easier as I guess in, in a captain spot for Boone, for example, if, there's a guy that's showing up and not doing his job every day. It only becomes an issue for Booner as well. And there's just a lot of things that brings, you know, that come with that. So, um, you know, best thing you could do is be a good teammate. And that's all you can really ask for. How's he doing? He's good. <laughs> he's talking more and more every day, which is getting scary. Once those things go out, he's going to be running that mouth. But, I, what do you think his first meal is going to be? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, I'm thinking I think steak. Steak and pasta. Or something like that. Steak and potatoes. That's right up his alley. Have you been through that? No. I Well, I had, a, like, six root canals my first year when I got a puck to the face. Yeah. But So that was tough for, like, a couple days, but nothing <laughs> to that level. I'm seeing some of the smoothies that he's taking down and staying away Drinking from tacos, that. right? Oh, it's, it's oh. getting out of hand. It's getting right. out of hand. They got to come off soon. I can't wait to see Boone out there with uh, that mouth going again. But I, I always think about that. I was thinking about that on the way driving to the rink today. I wonder what Boone's first meal is going to be. Because I know. I mean, it's the one, I had the broken face, like I said, but the jaw would have been. I, I, I don't know if I could have handled it. No. It's got to be the worst. And oh. you carry pliers around, I think, just in case you get sick. You have to vomit. You have to, then you cut the pliers. Yeah, sounds about right. Cut the Thanks for that information. I think we'll end it right there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Andrew, thank you so much. Um, again, true pro. That's what you are. Glad you're getting a chance to get back in there and play. Wish you nothing but the best, and uh, good luck, and stay warm. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, that is Andrew Peak, Blue Jackets defenseman. We'll be back to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Well, 2024-25 ticket plans are on sale right now. You can choose the games and the seats that you want while scoring bonus ticket rewards, food and merchandise discounts, and incredible ticket savings. Learn more by going to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley with you, ready to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. And Jody, the trade deadline is something that is now being talked about a lot around the league because it's coming up. In just a couple of weeks, uh, every team has had their pro scouting meetings now. They've all compared notes. They're all ready to go. It, it's funny. Uh, there was a day last week where, you know, you look on social media and people are saying, you know, looking at how many scouts are at this game and that game. And I saw people uh, saying, the Blue Jackets have three scouts at the Florida Panthers game. Like it was a big deal. And maybe it was. Maybe it was. But. The pro scouting meetings were also in Fort Lauderdale, so yeah. it would be easy to get three guys over there. Not saying that there's not a potential deal there somewhere. I have no idea, but uh, that one just made me chuckle because I knew all those guys were already in Florida. Those guys do not miss a hockey game, Bob. <laughs> if there's a hockey game within two hours driving distance, the scouts are there. So, yeah, that that's probably a very accurate uh, opinion you have there. It's funny about that. Uh, when you, I know you talk to scouts all the time, and I do too, and they're like uh, – I'm like, hey, where you been lately? Well, I was in Cleveland for the afternoon game, and then I came down here, and then uh, tomorrow uh, Rochester's going to play in the afternoon, and I can get Hershey at night. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. No, that's that's <laughs> what they do. They watch, you know, guys watch over 200 games a year, which is um, 
I mean, it's fascinating to see these guys. So that's what they do. They love it, too, which is uh, – and when we get to talk to them, they always have so many good questions. Oh, yeah, they do. They're, they're always doing their homework, even when it seems like they're not doing their homework. <laughs> I've walked away from conversations, and I was just like, I just had information extracted from me, and I thought we were just talking. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so let's talk about this. The Blue Jackets this past week. Look, Elvis Merzlikens, it's a situation. He didn't play since December 29th, and then he played on Monday. He got the win in the shootout. In between there, he talked about how he and his agent have talked about a different scenario and have talked to the Blue Jackets. He said on Friday he didn't make a trade request. He said after the game on Monday that, well, since I made a trade request, so I don't know what's going on there. But when you look at the market, because now a lot of people have since that came out, you look at the the, uh, the insiders uh, throughout North America and they're talking about this trade could be made, that trade could be made. There are teams that need goaltenders. There's no doubt about that. But there are other things that factor in. Contract, length of contract, um, you know, how you make those kind of deals. And in listening to some people in the last couple of days, they don't really see a market for Elvis per se by the trade deadline. That would, And I've been saying this all along because of the contract, probably a summertime thing if they do move on. But don't forget, before you get all rattled and upset, Connor Hellebuck requested a trade last year from the Winnipeg Jets. He then signed a long-term contract, and he's playing there. So no matter what goes on with a player at any point in time and when they get frustrated, maybe they say something, I don't think you ever have a situation where you cannot turn back. You can always you can always change your mind. or something can change that will change the situation. So um, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but it's been it's created a lot of talk in the league this week. Yeah, you know, it has. And, and Elvis is a good goalie. He, you know, he's had pretty good numbers this year. Uh, he's a guy that – Definitely wears his emotions, uh, you know, right on his forehead. He's a guy that you know how he's feeling. Uh, body language in the game. Uh, emotional guy that sometimes gets over-involved. And this is a situation he didn't like, and he, he handled it this way. And it, it's, um, you know, it's too bad because, you know, Pascal Vincent is trying to get this room right. And we just talked to Andrew Peake, who's a team first guy. Okay, and and when you have guys like that in the locker room, you really, uh, you really are proud of, of what they're trying to accomplish because it's it's not always about you. Of course, it's about you. Your parents and your neighbors and everyone uh, wants the best for you, and you're all you're the all you talk about as a professional athlete. Uh, every conversation is about you and what you're doing, and because you're the star, but you're a piece of a team. And right now it just seems like he's not fitting in with the team as well as he should. And, you know, it's one of those things where you hope he understands that just go out there and do your job when you're called upon. And, you know, Pascal Venson has sent messages already this year. There's three goalies, which is a tough situation for anyone. Uh, and you hate to see Elvis say those things and want and, and have that type of request, but you're right. It's not something that can't be patched up. And, and, somewhere in this process I hope it shakes out and I think it will where uh, this Blue Jackets team will be fine it'll be a situation where they'll work it out with Elvis and every the dust will settle and he'll play hockey and play well because every player has had a point in their career where they look back and it's been a turning point and hopefully that's what works out for him and the Blue Jackets organization and if not they don't have to trade him until they get what they want for him Unless they're just looking to get move on from him, which I don't think that situation is. So we'll see. He's a player they've invested in. Uh, he's he's a part of this team. 
he had a great celebration the other night against the Vancouver Canucks. His you know, teammates were happy with how he played and how they got the win. Uh, let's see what happens today. I, I always have that approach, and I've been in locker rooms where you know, there's been some uncomfortable talks, some uncomfortable situations, but we've handled them inside the locker room, and I, th- I think that's where Elvis uh, might have went a little bit on his own there, where you know, maybe, maybe those conversations need to be kept in the locker room for the best of the team, but it hasn't. Uh, so they'll have to figure it out in there, and, and hopefully um, it gets ironed out. Jody, thank you very much. Appreciate thank you, it. Bob. My we'll pleasure. Do it next week from uh, one of your favorite places in the world, Western Canada. Yeah, I love Western. I'm going to see Ned and Doreen Shelley. My mom has already asked me what I want for dinner on Sunday when we get there. So you put you're in the welcome order? to come. You know, I, I we yeah no, I haven't actually yet. <laughs> but um, you've been out there for dinner, right? No. Oh, you haven't? No. Why don't you come out? They'd love to have you. All right. Sunday night. Um, Ned and Doreen, we've had, there was one time, do we have time for a quick Yeah, story? go ahead. There was one time um, when I was with San Jose, Joe Thornton was uh, on the team, and during the father's trip, he'd met my dad, and my dad had said, Joe, when you get to Edmonton, come on out to Sherwood Park, which is 25 minutes from our hotel, and we'll cook you a steak. He said, oh, I'll be there. I didn't have say a word to Joe Thornton. I didn't say a word before anything. The bus pulls up to the hotel. This is like months later, and Joe looks at me and goes, all right, Shelly. Uh, what times? What time are we going out to your mom and dad's for a steak? I said, yeah. And I have my dad and my brother there with the truck just in case it came up, right? Because, you know, it's 25 minutes. We're in Alberta. It's minus 30. Anyways, we get out there. I didn't tell my mom who was coming. And the look on her face I'll never forget. It was Rob Blake, Claude Lemieux, Jeremy Roenick, Joe Thornton, Dougie Murray, and Ryan Clough. And my mom had – the beer was all out in the snowbank. The bottle of wine was open, and my mom had enough steaks to feed us all and dessert. It was incredible. So anybody can come, Bob. All right, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Sold. They'll be just as happy to see you as they were to see that crew. Uh, I, I've met them before, and it is, uh, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Inside Edge. Again, the Blue Jackets at home Friday night, 7 o'clock game against the New Jersey Devils. Get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com. Thanks to Andrew Peake for being our guest tonight. And that's going to wrap up this edition of the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank. Thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.